Hey, welcome back to the Rediscovering Podcast. My name is Jordan, and I'm glad you're here listening. Happy New Year. Uh, I just wanted to read something that kind of caught me off guard in John's Gospel. Um, But before I do that, I wanted to re-establish, or maybe just establish a kind of baseline idea that I think will help make sense of this and really bring it to life. And this idea is going to sound like an overgeneralization. And if you're not necessarily even a follower of Jesus, it might sound like I'm just making stuff up or it's confirmation bias. But I think if you really give it some thought, you'll understand this baseline and see how it plays out in your own life. And the baseline idea is this. We are all born with and live with a deep longing. There's an innate longing in every single human being, myself, you, your friends, your family, etc., And there are lots of longings that we all have, sure, but this innate, inescapable one that all of us have is a longing to be with and experience God. We're all living with some sort of ache that looks out at the world. This is how you can see this longing play out. We look out at the world and we think, this isn't quite right. We we read the news and we think, oh man, that's tragic because I expect it to be better than this. Um, We just kind of have that innately. We expect things to be better than they are. And this is good. It drives us to pursue change and be activists or try try to love people in a way that is actually meaningful and live our lives differently. Uh, But this also, I think, especially if it goes unnamed, can drive us to wallow in sort of despair and loneliness. Uh, We might oscillate back and forth between the two. We might go back and forth between being really into changing the world and then really despairing that there is nothing we can do. Because there's this inescapable longing for God, for the kingdom of heaven, for a place and a way of living where pain and suffering are just not the norm. And we all long for, for that love to define all that we do. We don't want fear and uncertainty to be the norm in our lives, as they so often are. You just can't escape it. We long for a world in which uh, we don't have to work tirelessly to provide for ourselves and then uh, have one of the pipes in our garage break, and then we have to spend all of our savings that we worked so hard to save to repair it. That's a hypothetical scenario, of course. Didn't happen last week. Um, But I, I can't escape the feeling that when things are right with the people in my life, or when I see a beautiful sunset and I pause long enough to take it in, that there is something innately good. I can't escape that feeling that when there is division between me and the people that I love, that things are just wrong. There's something that's not the way it's meant to be happening. That's because I long for God. John, uh, in one of his letters, defines God as love. He says, God is love. We long for that. We long for the kingdom of God to be the way that the world works. And that longing can get named and shoved aside in all different kinds of ways. But if we think on it, 
it's there and it's all throughout history and every war and every push for social change and every relationship that longing exists so with that baseline in mind here are some words that john uses to start his gospel Uh, he's poetically and beautifully describing jesus entering the world that he created and he says this about jesus he came to what was his own and his own people did not accept him But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. on to a few of those phrases. Uh, One of the ones that stood out to me is that that word accept. His own people did not accept him. And the one that really threw me off is he gave power to become children of God. Power to become. At the risk of making it sound like an equation um, or a formula that we could just abuse and use, What's at play here is our acceptance of God as he is, is the way that we receive what we're longing for. Our trust in God becomes our power to become children of God. Jesus speaks about this quite a bit, and each person listening to this knows what it's like to ache and desire power. That ache lives within every one of us. Some, some of us are born with, I think, qualities that make our desire for power a little more dangerous than others because we, uh, we get forceful and demanding and self-centered and we put people down and oppress and we don't care for others in that desire for power. But that desire for power to be able to engineer and manufacture results to get what I want is there in all of us because... We want to see God, and we want to see God enter into our world and fix what isn't right. And not just fix what isn't right, but make the baseline of our living good. And this hunger is foolish to try to quiet. That hunger for God is what Jesus' life speaks into and invites us to name. And how could we describe what that kingdom that we long for is like? What is this life that we're longing for? Why is that hunger so strong? At one point, Paul summed up the kingdom of God into a few words. He called it the righteousness, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit. The righteousness, good relationships with God and with each other. Joy, joyful presence, happiness in the world, and peace of the Holy Spirit. Peace between all things everything working the way that it should. Uh, You can't for very long deny how enticing living in the righteousness, joy, and peace of the Holy Spirit sounds. That's something we long for. And the story of God's people shows God patiently, patiently over time relating to us as we stumble and try to figure out that what we're really aching for is Him. 
Look at the Israelites begging for a king. See, God is hesitant to grant them this desire because he knows, I think, that they're truly after him. He knows they're truly after his kingdom, his way of the world working. He knows that you and I are after what John called power to become children of God. But God also knows that the way in which the Israelites and the way that you and I want to grasp power is directly opposed to the things that get us to become what we want. He knows that having a king who has authority and power over people as the Israelites wanted will make it harder to trust God. And if it's harder to trust God, it's harder to receive the power that we actually long for, the power to live as children of God. There's a story in one of the Gospels of a woman who is in a crowd of people and she just reaches out because she thinks, if I just touch Jesus' clothes, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I will be healed of this problem I've had for so many years. And it's like that woman who reached out to touch the hem of Jesus' garment. Our trust in God where he is and as he is turns into healing, turns into transformation. Now I know that sounds like um, an equation that we could use and abuse, and it's not that, because we're talking about trusting in God as he is, not as I think he might be in the way that I want him to be. But if we find ourselves longing for evidence of God's kingdom, trust is the route forward. Now this is counterintuitive because when we are restless, and we can't get what we're longing for, we get forceful and angry. And anger isn't bad, right? Anger is an emotion. It's God-given. We must learn to recognize our anger. But anger might carry with it this false belief that we know how to get what we want. We know exactly what we want, and we know how to get there. And anger kind of short-circuits this thing that we're made to receive, God's kingdom, and it it turns it into something that we could engineer if we just get rid of this feeling, if we just force something to go our way. In anger, we, we might be quick to make trades that love would never make. We might trade somebody else's well-being for my own. We might get rid of patience and just try to use our anger against the world until it goes the way we want. Anger can be destructive when it's not yielding to God's kingdom in Jesus' way. At the same time, anger can't be ignored. We must look at it and name it, and name what it's after. Why is it there? It's after God's kingdom, and that's a worthy desire. It's worthy and good to desire the well-being and abundant life that God promises. But God promises it, meaning it's not under threat. God is never under threat of not seeing his kingdom come. His kingdom will come. His will will be done once and for all. Resurrection isn't just a historical event that happened to Jesus. It's a promise for all who follow him. It's a promise we see on the horizon. But as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, We now see it only dimly, but one day we'll see it fully. Our anger is pointed toward the fact that we don't see it fully, 
There's a deep, deep longing to see it fully. And recognizing that is helpful because I think in some ways it allows the intensity of the anger to subside so that we might leave a little space and walk, take a breath. Because our deep longing to live as children of God is good. And we see our lives more and more in that way as we trust Him. Power to become, as John called it, power is accessed by trust in God's family. And I want to think of another word for trust. Uh, John used it in that passage we read. Accept. Acceptance. John talks about the world not accepting Jesus as he was. Now it's really hard work to accept somebody, especially when we're angry, especially when we have our own longings for the way things should be. Accepting somebody means you have to allow them to come to you as they are. You have to allow yourself to learn who they are on their terms, despite how their actions and thoughts and ideas might go up against your own worldview and your own way of thinking how things should play out. I want you to ask, is there a way in which God is inviting you to accept him as he is right now? Because if John is right in describing Jesus right here, that acceptance is part of the way God's kingdom comes. It's part of the way that we receive it. It's part of the way we're transformed. Now, when you accept somebody, anybody, I'm not just talking about God, when you have to accept anybody, it feels a bit passive. Think about it. You, you have to watch them walk in. You have to restrain your tongue when they start to do something differently than you would or say something that you don't agree with. And you have to trust that there's something better about learning who this person is, about accepting them, than forcibly changing them as if you ever really could. But that acceptance, as difficult as it may be, is a powerful, powerful thing as we learn to live with it. Look around at your life and ask if there's any way God is asking you to accept him as he comes to you. That acceptance is a receptivity to the power that he longs to give. The power to become children of God. To be at peace with him in a world that isn't. Hey, thank you so much for joining me today on the Rediscovering Podcast. Again, my name is Jordan, and I'm so grateful you made it this far. Uh, It's a joy of mine to share these reflections and kind of devotional writings on here. Uh, I would love to hear from you if something stood out to you or resonated with you. um, You can find my email in the show notes. And if you are interested in reading stuff that I've written, I do have a book available. It's called The Rage Against Grace. It's on Amazon. Uh, The link's in the show notes. It's a collection of poetry, and there's always more stuff in the works. I can't give you more details on any of that right now, but for now, I'm glad you're here, and I'll see you soon. Have a happy 2023.